Welcome to the Jackie Service Show. I'm Jackie Service, where we are talking all things people strategy, entrepreneurship, and how hiring the right humans will unlock the next phase of growth in your business. As a former corporate VP of HR, my life completely shifted when I learned I had a brain tumor. From this moment forward, I knew that there was more. I dove headfirst into healing, mindset work, and spirituality. And from this space, my entrepreneur journey was born. Now I am a people strategist and founder of Serve Recruitment Agency, a boutique recruitment firm that helps scaling companies hire aligned leaders for growth. In this podcast, I'm going to share about my business journey, entrepreneurship, leadership, and how hiring the right humans unlocks massive potential. Welcome to the show. Are you confused about hiring? You're not alone. Majority of leaders struggle to figure out who they need, in what roles, and when, and how these people will have the greatest impact on the growth of their business. This is why we created People Strategy Sessions to do a deep dive into your business and help you build a clear roadmap on the talent you need to drive sustainable growth. We dive into your greater why, where you are today in your business, where you want to go in your business from a growth standpoint, and ultimately, who do you need to enable that growth overall? For more information, please send an email to Jackie at JackieService.com or feel free to reach out at JackieService across all platforms. Welcome back to another episode of the Jackie Service Show. This one's a special one for me today because I have a longtime friend. If I think about the podcast and all the people I've had on the podcast, this is my oldest friend that I'm bringing on the show today, which is so much fun. Laura Sinclair, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that I'm your oldest friend. First of all, my- also the oldest friend to be on the podcast. Like, yes. I'll and I love time. it because for anybody tuning in that knows Laura or knows myself, we both went to McMaster University together and met through a mutual group of friends. And I laugh because our world, oh my gosh, how many years ago is that now? 20 years ago, 20-ish. Okay, let's mm-hmm. call it 18. We won't we won't age let's ourselves. Not age ourselves much. more than necessary. Yeah. <laughs> uh we would have been hanging out at a place called quarters and mm-hmm. enjoying life and maybe a couple beverages while yeah. watching a football game or doing something athletic. And yeah. now here we are, 18 years later, and we're gonna dive into our life, motherhood, business, entrepreneurships, transitions, and all the good stuff. So I'm so excited to have you here. Gosh, when you think about different versions of life, right? Like different chapters, the person that you become along the way. You know, I look at myself and I look at you and I look look back to that time and you know, I'm thankful for it because it, we had a lot of fun, but I'm also very thankful to not be that version of myself anymore. <laughs> we've, we've come a long way. And what we was made really it, girl. cool we made it. is we both left McMaster and, and did these big corporate gigs and for, I would say a decade lost touch. Like we weren't, I was following you on LinkedIn. We were keeping kind of surface level updated with each other's lives. And it wasn't until this world of entrepreneurship where it was like this vacuum of like, we came back together so quickly because of a mutual lived experience that we were both going through, which again, we think about phases and stages of our lives. We got to go through this 
or we are going through this phase of life together, which is super cool. Yeah. Thank goodness for the internet, right? You keep those connections and for everything, all the things that we don't like about social media, I am grateful for the ways that it has kept people connected and brought me back together with people like you and also inviting new people into my world. Like as flawed as social media can be, it is a real gift that it allows us to circle back and reconnect mm-hmm. after a decade and say what's up and and connect and, and be on the similar path. So I'm super grateful for it all. Well, I love it. Before we dive into your story, which we will get there, I like to start with a couple rapid fire questions. So people tuning in can get to know you a little bit better. Cool. Let's do it. Let's go. All right. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, um, but grew up in Oakville. So I lived in Toronto until I was about four. And then we moved to Oakville, Ontario, Canada, which if you are from Ontario, you just immediately created a judgment about me saying that I'm from Oakville. Um, but uh, yeah, that's where I grew up. It was beautiful. It's very great. Amazing. Where's home now? Home now is in Barrie, Ontario. So I'm about an hour north of Toronto for anybody that is not from Canada or not from the Toronto area. Here's a cool observation I've had just by doing this podcast and asking this question to 50 some odd guests now is, and I, I knew this when I went to the U S for work as well. Any of my American guests grew up somewhere and lived somewhere completely different. It's very mm-hmm. rare for me to find a U.S. guest that is actually living anywhere close to their hometown. Yeah, And then I see the same thing in Europe as well. I've had a couple of Europeans on and a similar idea. Uh, whereas, I don't know, it's like Ontario keeps bringing us back. It's like we just love coming it's back It's hard to home. get out. It's also hard to get out. I think that, you know, when I think about one of the things I'm most envious about my friends that live in the U.S. is there's just such a breadth of places where you could go right and here in in Canada unless you're French speaking in terms of optimal places to live and this is no shade to Manitoba or Saskatchewan but you know optimal places to live where there's the most uh, infrastructure and uh, you're really looking at Vancouver Mm -hmm. Calgary Mm -hmm. or the Toronto area so um, yeah that's one thing I really envy and like the weather doesn't really vary that much in different places it's not like I can just pick up and move to the beach um, but yeah, I think that it's interesting. There's definitely some certain areas in Ontario where people like in the Niagara region, it's like they, if you're born there, you're never leaving. <laughs> so yes. I've know. heard that. I've definitely yeah. heard that before. Uh, the only place I'm seeing a ton of entrepreneurs flee to is Kelowna in yes. Canada. There yeah. are some of my Ontario friends that have gone that way in yeah. the last few years, especially over COVID. And, you know, they call it the California of Canada. I haven't yeah. been there in the dead of winter. So I'm I'm pretty sure it still sm- snows. Uh, yeah. So it's not quite California, but it is beautiful. There's a lot. It there's is. a lot of beauty there. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. All right. Fav- favorite book? A book that you tend to recommend to all people? Life book. Well, business book is Profit First because mm. everybody should read that book if you own a business. Um, but Untamed by Glennon Doyle is the book that whenever I meet a mom who is martyring herself or you know not willing to do the thing that they that she really needs or feeling like she's losing herself uh, which is a lot of us I was there I know you've been there I'm pretty sure everyone I know I'm trying not to generalize but everyone um if you're listening us too don't worry yeah (laughs) untamed by Glennon Doyle I read it during COVID Mm -hmm. and it ripped me in half and then put me back together and I highly recommend it to anyone I was the same. I could not get enough of it. I listened to every podcast she was on talking about it, this whole methodology, which I think we'll tap into a little bit when we talk about why 
the conversation of motherhood and entrepreneurship is so important to both of us. Um, but this whole notion of the good girl, Oof. be the good girl, be raised the good yeah. girl, show up as the good girl. Like, heck, this woman just put my entire, at the time, probably 35 years of life in a novel. There it is. Yeah. I was, was so triggered so in the best way, but I was just like, oh, called out, called mm-hmm. out. But yeah, it's a great book Absolutely. if you haven't read it. Highly recommend. A mentor, a mentor that you can go back to, whether it's life, business, sports. Uh, I know you're an athlete as well. That really yeah. was pivotal, pivotal in your thinking or how you look at the world. Yeah, this is a big one. I mean, I think for me, what's interesting is that I've done things like different than a lot of the people that I've I've been around. And I think for me, a lot of the mentorship that I've found is actually from my peers, from people that mm-hmm. are walking similar paths. Because I don't know, I mean, I certainly didn't know any entrepreneurial mothers growing up. I Everyone that I grew up with and went to school with did a very much corporate path. My parents did the corporate path. So I feel like I'm in this interesting season where I'm kind of like walking walking this new path. And a lot of it has just been my peers. It's been people that I've met in mastermind groups. It's people like yourself um, that I'm really lucky to just be able to like, Hey, pick up the phone and call or send a text message to, to answer a question. So on that question, I don't know that I have one. I don't know that I would say like, this is the person for me. It's, it's kind of ebbing and flowing as, as my life goes. But you know, when I think about the one person that I would want to meet and have as a mentor, it would have been my, uh, my grandfather who died when I was a baby. He was a lawyer and an engineer back in the day and did some really cool things and was in some really cool circles. And a lot of the times people say that I'm a lot like him. So I think that that would have been a cool person for me to be able to meet. Mm, Thank you for sharing. And couldn't agree more that um, the mentorship that you gain from peers and just people who are walking alongside you, those are your like day-to-day ride or dies. Those are the people when you're like your back's against the wall or in my, my situation when I'm hiding on the internet, mm. they call you out. They they yeah. check in on you. They're the ones that, you know, know what this world can feel like as an entrepreneur. And and totally. there's definitely a little a little bit uh different accountability, but also hand holding with each other. Yeah. And I, you know, the, I've I've been so lucky to be in some cool groups. I mean, I did Fast Foundations, I've been mm-hmm. I worked with Chris Harder, I did some stuff with Jessica Rose, who I love. Um, but for me, I've I've never really been a person that like puts other people on a pedestal if that makes sense. Like I have so much respect for a lot of people, but I also just, I love the people that I'm, I'm in community with. And for me, like those are the people that inspire me, the people that are walking the walk. And I think, you know, you and I are both choosing abnormal things. I don't know if there's anyone that's chosen the path that we're choosing that I can say like, that's the person. I think a lot of what we're doing is unknown and that kind of makes it exciting and also a little bit insane, but, um, that makes it hard for me to say like one, one person. Love this. Love this. Let's, let's pull at that a little bit more. I know pieces of your story, but I want you to share some of these major transitions that you've gone through to go from Laura hanging out with me at quarters (laughs) to Laura sitting in front of me today, running a multi six figure business and a mom and an entrepreneur. Yeah. Gosh, it's so funny. You know, we were talking before about human design and um, I'm a manifesting generator, which I didn't know about myself until recently. And so I used to say, hey, if you were ever look at my story, like you would get whiplash trying to keep up. But now that I know more about myself and I've sort of tapped into human design a little more, it makes a little more sense. But buckle up because here, here we go. Um, so I had a corporate background. You mentioned that I started my career in PR in the tech space, 
switched to doing sports marketing, sponsorship marketing, and then found myself running all the digital media for one of the biggest luxury automotive companies in the world in Canada. Um, and the whole time I was in entrepreneurship, I, or sorry, in corporate, I always felt really like sticky. I was always looking for the next thing. I was never really that fulfilled. I never really stayed in a role for more than two to three years because I just got bored. It was like I was doing the thing. And looking back, I was a really terrible employee. So I apologize to any of my my bosses. But it was like, there's so much process for process sake. It was a lot of, you know, you want to do anything, you're getting three quotes. And it just never really, I was like, well, can't we just do it? Like, why do we have to do all this procedure? Um, but I grew up in, that's the environment I grew up in. You went to school, you go to university, you go get a job for somebody else. And like, that's success, right? My parents were a banker and an accountant and my dad stayed in the same job for 30 years. So doing doing something different was weird. And so I left the corporate world in 2015. I had an opportunity. I'd met my, he was my, then my fiance um, at a CrossFit gym that he owned. And we were presented with the opportunity to buy a essentially failing CrossFit gym that probably would have been closed in six months um, if we hadn't have bought it. And the CrossFit community in Ontario is relatively small. So my husband and his brother were running a gym together in Markham, Ontario. And they were approached by the owners of the CrossFit gym in Bradford, Ontario, and said, you know, would you want to buy this? Would you be interested? And my brother-in-law, my now brother-in-law was like, no. And my husband was like, no. He was my fiance at the time. I was like, but I do. But like, that could be fun that Pelican out. And I had this vivid memory of working at the automotive company, coming home to my then boyfriend at the time. And, you know, I had everything right? Like I was making the good salary. I was going to the parties. I had the outfits. I had the fancy car. Like I had the access as my, in my mind, that was everything. That was what I wanted. And I remember saying to that boyfriend, like, I just want to quit my job and run a gym. Like that should be fun. That would be way better. Um, and so fast forward five or six years, there I am <laughs> listening to my now fiance thing, you know, the people from Bradford want to sell the gym, but I don't want it. And I was like, but I do but maybe mm. I do. Um, and so I ended up buying this gym in cash because I was very fiscally responsible in my 20s, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, bought the gym in cash. It was fun. It was also very difficult. You know, I thought, you know, running a gym, that'll be so great. But running a brick and mortar gym is very much like a microcosm of a lot of things that you experience in business. There's very little that I didn't see outside of like raising capital <laughs> in in owning a gym. I mean, you're dealing with customer service, you're dealing with retail, you're dealing with staff, you're dealing with legal stuff, insurance, like there's there's so many aspects of it, marketing, sales. It was such an incredible um, entrepreneurial experience. It really equipped me with a lot of things. And we built that gym, bought it for $30,000, got it to, you know, grew it to being a multi six-figure brick and mortar gym, had my first daughter, my first child uh, about a year after we bought the gym. And then uh, in year four, decided to have another child. And when the world shut down for two weeks out of an abundance of caution in March of 2020, I was eight weeks pregnant with my now three-year-old son. Here in Ontario, Canada, um, gyms were closed for a very long time, um, which yes, you know were. had its pros and cons for me as a pregnant woman who was very sick for my first trimester. I got to mostly sleep on the couch, but you know we would try to run fitness classes from home or like keep our business running. It was just my husband and I, we didn't have financial backers or anything like that. It was, this was our family. My husband's a firefighter. So we had another income, but it was a really stressful time. And I would run, you know, virtual fitness classes from my garage. 
And then I would turn off the zoom and throw up on the floor because nobody knew I was pregnant and I was trying to navigate all of these moving parts. So fast forward to the end of 2020, my husband and I decided we were going to close the gym. At that point, my son had been born. Um, our gym really suffered. We were about a 215 members before COVID. And then after things started reopening, we were about 120. Um, and when you do the math on, you know, $175 a month on membership, it's a pretty significant amount of money. And, um, we kind of just had made the decision that we didn't want to get back into the gym business. We didn't want to spend the next five years trying to recoup what we had just spent five years building. And mm-hmm. it wasn't my passion anymore. I loved fitness. I still love fitness. I being an athlete's always been a big part of my story, but I was at the point where I just wanted to work on the business and not necessarily be in the gym anymore. And for me, it sort of made the decision to close easy, although we did leave behind a lot of people that really depended on that community. And so that part of it was very sad, but we closed the gym. Fortunately, everybody wanted gym equipment (laughs) during COVID. So selling our equipment was pretty easy to do. And then in February, so we closed in December, I gave myself six weeks to kind of grieve and figure out what the heck I was going to do because I had a three month old and I was not about to go back to work. I decided that I was going to start teaching small business owners how to use social media to grow their business um, and kind of do what was easy and what I knew I could do with a three month old at home. Started posting on social media, started figuring it out and kind of the rest is history. I think today I have a social media marketing agency. We run a boutique firm, um, which is beautiful. I love that having worked in the big agencies in the corporate side. I love having a boutique agency and I run a coaching business. So I support mm-hmm. entrepreneurial women in their quest to be seen. I do a lot of work with entrepreneurial mothers, which was never really my intention, but um, being a young mom myself, my kids are six and three, tend to attract a lot of moms into my world. And so I have a podcast now. It's called This Mother Means Business. When we talk about motherhood and entrepreneurship, I hosted my first retreat this year, and I'm really trying to create spaces to boost entrepreneurial mothers and women up and help them make money mm-hmm. online. Cause I, I really do believe that more money in the hands of women is going to change the world. Mm. Mic drop. I love that. Thank you for sharing your story. I mean, yeah. gosh, I'm listening to your story and feeling like I'm finding myself in so many moments of your story and yeah. just having been that corporate, making that transition out of corporate into this online space and working through, you know, I, I too birthed my business with babies. Yeah. Right? My business came out of the time I have a uh, six turning seven year old twin girls. And it was a very similar type of mentality where I'm like, can't go back, not going back. So what are we no. doing? How are we building something different? Yeah. And it felt like the wild west. I can't imagine the conversations that were had about what the heck is she doing now? Um, because to your point, it was, I come from, from a family of teachers, Mm. so definitely like deep, deep stability and deep, you know, there, there's a lot of, both my parents were in their profession for 35 years at the same school for majority of their career. And so this, you know, this girl of theirs that's starting businesses and flying all over and doing different things, um, on the internet felt a little weird for a lot of people for a while. So I totally resonate with that. Yeah, we're the weird one, and I'm good. You're the weird one. I'm now like I fully embrace the fact that I'm the weird one. Same. And I too am a manifesting generator, and now I understand why the corporate boxes felt stuffy to me and stifling mm-hmm. and not fully expressed. I was talking to you about that offline. 
entrepreneurship can get that way too. It's like, you're constantly reinventing yourself as a manifesting generator and wanting to be fully expressed as you go. So yeah, totally relate to that as well. Yeah. The rigidity of like being in the corporate environment. And, you know, one of the things that I've done since becoming an entrepreneur is really diving into like my values. Mm. Like, you know, you're so, when you're in corporate, you're kind of just in someone else's box, right? Like you're doing everything by someone else's rules. And one of the things that has been really valuable for me as an entrepreneur is to explore what are my values that actually my number one core value is freedom and not just freedom of, you know, when people talk about, they talk about financial freedom and time freedom. One of it is for me is freedom of location, of course, but also freedom of my mind for my Mm. mind to be able to, you know, create whatever it, it desires. And so for me, like when I look back at that corporate time and I'm okay with being weird because that's, I value freedom. Right. And, um, at that corporate time, I didn't have that freedom. I didn't, I, it was like, this is your job. These are your boxes. You, this is your cog, put it in the machine. Mm -hmm. And as an entrepreneur, like, I don't, I don't have a machine. (laughs) I mean, I do, but I am the machine. And so that level of freedom that it provides for me is I would never trade it. I love that. What are some of the, what are some of the things that you have learned in entrepreneurship just about yourself? Oh gosh. That's how much time do we have? Uh, (laughs) Well, well, friend, we can record as long as you want. (laughs) Honestly, I think like the biggest one is just how powerful I am, if I'm honest. Um, and, and what I am truly capable of, which I realized, you know, maybe that's a weird thing to say for somebody that hasn't embraced their own personal power. But I think when I was in a season of my life, and I think back to my early twenties, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for almost 10 years now. So I'm 36 now. I think I was 27, 28 when I, when I left the corporate world. Um, but when I look back to, you know, who I was in my early twenties and you're talking about you and I running around at quarters, I was I was on the path that someone else prescribed to me, right? Like it was like, this is the thing that you're supposed to do. And so I just put myself in the box as uncomfortable as it was and wore the suit as ill-fitting as it was and tried to fit in in that environment. And a lot of the time that was actually like, I was still too much, right? It's like, Laura, less of that, more of this, you know? And I think as an entrepreneur, it's really allowed me to, feel into my own capabilities and how powerful I am. But at the same time, I also know that I'm just getting started right in this mm-hmm. line of work that I'm doing now. I'm only in, I'm not even in year three. I'm, this is still like, I'm still, this is like a baby business still. Um, but I think truly like I can create anything. You can create anything. Anyone listening to this, if you're an right. entrepreneur, you've chosen that path, like you are insanely powerful. And I think for me, um, I think that's been one of the greatest lessons is like, you can truly do whatever you want with your life. Mm, I love that. There's so, I, I so resonate. It's, you know, I should have this, I should do that. There's a lot of shooting on myself for a lot of years. Yeah. And this, uh, this belief system, this narrative that I had quote unquote made it or had it all when I got the title, the car, the, the yeah. spouse, the house, all the, all the things. And then realizing that the materialism on the outside was still leaving me empty in the inside was mm-hmm. a big wake up call for me. It, it was a piece of my story of running into what felt like a brick wall. Yeah. And I needed that. I needed a big wake up call to do that, to start mm-hmm. to look and, and see things differently. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think in entrepreneurship, one of the trends I've seen online is, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about how people are moving towards entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. can be for everyone. And I, in some, in some uh, ways, shapes and forms, I, I can see that. And there's other pieces of me that are like, 
but can we like tell the real story of entrepreneurship <laughs> and some of the hardships as well yeah. and not just make it sound like, Hey, you can start your business and start making multi six figures overnight. Yeah. It takes time and we have to build foundations and just knowing the relationship we have, like, let's get real with the, with whoever's tuning in right now. If you're yeah. thinking about starting a business, what are some of the like Achilles heels or things that maybe tripped you up a little bit that you weren't expecting to when you started your own business? Yeah. I mean, I love that you're bringing this up because entrepreneurship is hard and I actually don't think it's for everybody. I think that like, thank you, you for being so direct. Thank no, you. All right. I you're love either this. an entrepreneur or you're an employee. Like I, I genuinely believe that some people are just going to be more fulfilled in an employee role and that's okay. I don't think that one is better than the other. I just think that if you're going to choose entrepreneurship, you have to be really willing to fall face first in front of a lot of people and be willing to get back up because you are going to fail. Nobody mm -hmm. becomes an entrepreneur and then is just immediately wealthy or immediately successful, right? It doesn't work that way. You're going to hear no so many times. You're going to make so many mistakes and it's, are you willing to get yourself back up? Can you? right? Do you have that either within yourself or do you have the support system around you to make that happen? And for some people, the answer is actually just no, right? Like they, they don't want to take that level of risk. They aren't willing to look silly. And I think a big part of that is mindset, right? That we talk about mindset work a lot, but to your point about on the internet, I think there's a lot of really predatory behavior from people that say, oh, you can just start a course and you can just start your online business and you too will make hundred thousand dollars in a month tomorrow. You know, I think that there's a lot of people that make a lot of money off that, but the reality is entrepreneurship is very difficult. <laughs> it takes a lot of time. It can be done with ease, right? But there's a big difference between doing something with ease and it being easy. And I think that there's so many people that sell this narrative that entrepreneurship is easy. There is a massive amount of risk associated with entrepreneurship that some people can handle and some people can't. And regardless of whether, you know, you're taking risk in the form of, you know, getting millions of dollars in, you know, investors, or you're just taking the risk and leaving your corporate job, like th those risks are all different, but they're still valid and they're still real. Um, and, you know, I'm in a business where it requires me to sell a lot. If I go through a season where I'm not selling anything, you know, <laughs> what then? Right. And I, I just think it's not for everybody and that's Okay. But if it is something that you're feeling pulled to, if you're listening to this and you're considering entrepreneurship, it's something that's been on your heart, like it's there for a reason. I never even knew that entrepreneurship was an option for me when I was in corporate. It wasn't until really like the online space started to become bigger and I started to expose myself to different things. But I thought entrepreneurship meant like I had to go get venture capital. I needed to start a product. I needed to invent something. Like that's what starting a business was. But my definition of entrepreneurship and what starting a business is has really shifted. But I do think that it's important to like talk about the real stuff. Like I cry a lot, right? Like I do a lot of crying, a lot of being stressed out, a lot of wondering if it's going to work. But at the end of the day, like the the rewards so outweigh the risks for me. And I'm a pretty scrappy human being and I'm willing to figure it out and I'm willing to fall. And because of that, you know, that's why I've made it almost 10 years as an entrepreneur and don't plan on going back. It's betting on yourself in a lot of ways yep. and having to really look in the mirror and get real with yourself on yeah. to your point. I'm the amount of times that I have tripped and fallen and like literally scraped, bruised, 
battered and got back up and said, all right, let's try this again and maybe tweak it a little to the left because clearly going right didn't work is a piece of it. And man, so much can come up when you're, when you're knocked down. Right. And, and just, Mm -hmm. I, I have felt guilt and ashamed and confused and, and I mean, it's Monday and we're recording this. I've probably felt still early today, (laughs) like, like realistically, like there's so much that goes into the freedom is you get to choose. And the freedom is because you have so much choice. Sometimes that can feel overwhelming. And I talked to you about that today of like, I'm in this season of really questioning, is it overwhelm or is it an out of alignment? Because those two things can be very different for people too, as they're navigating this world of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Nobody's holding you accountable, but you, right. You talk about betting on yourself. The thought that comes up to my mind, is like an athlete mindset. You and I both grew up in athletics and so, and swimming at that. And so, you know, when you're a swimmer, you're spending months, sometimes years to get one, one, one hundredth of a second, or if you're lucky, one tenth of a second better on your time, right? Like we are used to people that are used to working really hard for a very small amount of change. Mm -hmm. And I do think that I do credit athletics and certainly swimming for helping me shape that mindset. But to your point, like it is one of those things that like no one's holding you accountable. I could quit tomorrow and nobody's going to care but me, right? It's so easy to give up Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur because it's you versus you. There's nobody that's going to say, you know what, Jackie, I think it would be better if you just didn't quit, if you just didn't give up because, you know, all these people depend on you. No, like you're only having that conversation with yourself. If you came to me and was like, hey, Laura, I've decided I'm going to quit. I would be like, wow, that's really unfortunate. But, you know, do you want to tell me why? Maybe have a conversation about it. But like, if you de- you've decided, I'm not going to be like, well, you know, Jackie, that's a really bad idea. I'd be like, all right, that's a shame, but Okay. Right. Like nobody, nobody is there other than potentially your spouse and depending on what your support system is to hold you accountable. It's you and you. So I think that part of it is big, right? I was talking about, like, I think the real failure as an entrepreneur is to quit. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. And I'm having this like visual moment of how we've always been you versus you. Swimming is a very individual sport. Like as much as I love relays and, and racing with my, yeah. my friends and my teammates, a lot of the time I looked at a black line in the middle of a pool and went back and forth and back and forth for hours mm-hmm. and hours and hours a day before school and after school constantly. Yeah. And it was you versus you and it was you with your mind. And I think that there are so many parallels to entrepreneurship, to the sport of swimming in particular. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I, I can very easily put myself back into my body as a teenager standing you know, at the end of my lane before an event, like before a race. And it was like, you're just so locked in. And it's like, nobody talked to me. You know, you're just in that space where if someone comes to talk to you, like it's a problem, you're just in the zone, right? You're focused, you're getting ready. And then yes, you are going, giving it everything you have. You can't see anybody else. Like if you're looking around, you're losing already, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're taking the time in swimming to look and see what the person beside you is doing, you've, you've lost time. So you are literally, it's just you versus you. Yes, you're racing the person next to you, but it does really teach you how to stay in your own lane, literally and figuratively, but also like to just focus on yourself because you have to, you don't have a choice. That's it. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. I want to, I want to pull the string a little bit around mothers and Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. 
Yeah. You and I both birthed these businesses and babies around Uh the same time. And you have started a podcast, which I was on and I'll link it. So you can listen to Laura interview me as well. Uh, But you started a podcast. This mother means business. And the it's a conversation that when I jumped into entrepreneurship, I was noticing that I was surrounded by a lot of really ambitious, incredible humans. And I also noticed, this is just a trend from when I joined, not a lot of them at the time were mothers. Yeah. Let's open up this dialogue and have a conversation. Why is it such an important time right now to bring this to the forefront and start openly sharing that running a business as a mother is different? Yeah, I think like, for me, you know, talking about staying in your own lane, right? I think it's really easy as an entrepreneur to want to compare yourself to somebody that's next to you. And I have peers that are not mothers that I'm always like, oh, they're doing this thing and that thing. And then I forget, oh, they don't have kids. And I think for me, you know, when I, so I was already an entrepreneur when I became a mom, I owned the gym when my daughter was born. And for me, there was this huge identity crisis that happened because I didn't actually grow up wanting kids. I wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't want them. It was, I didn't think that I would be a mom. It just didn't, seemed like something that I thought I would ever enjoy. It just never registered. Mm. To me, success was corporate job, shoes, parties, fancy car, handsome husband. Like that was, that was it. There wasn't, there wasn't a having a family that didn't register for me. And, you know, once I was 28 and in love with a man that wanted children, who's my, now my husband, it was like, oh yeah, okay. I guess that's something that I could do. Right. And I think for me, like I wasn't surrounded by people that said to me, Hey, Laura, by the way, when you become a mom, the emotional changes that have happened are going to be way greater than any physical changes that you're going to experience. And your identity is going to shift. And, you know, the things that were easy for you before aren't going to be easy for you anymore. Nobody, nobody had that conversation with me. And similarly to you, I mean, I was an entrepreneur at 26, so 27. So that's was that's still kind of like early to be having kids right in this day most women are having children now or I know plenty of women my sisters had a baby at 40 but having kids like in their 30s and a little later on and I think I was sort of one of the first to have kids and certainly in my friendship circle and the other entrepreneurs that I knew and I found myself struggling with things that other people just weren't and it felt like it was so easy for other people and not easy for me and at the beginning of the podcast, I said that I'm, you know, really passionate about putting money in the hands of women. I think one of the things that upsets me the most, part of the reason this podcast exists or my podcast exists is because I see women who are truly martyring themselves or they're playing small or they're not doing the things that they want to be doing because they think that it's not an option for them, but it absolutely is an option for them. And I'm on a mission to show them that. Um, And that's a big, a big reason why the podcast exists. I love this conversation. It's uh, so much of it is, is my, my journey as yeah. well, which is, you know, and I lost myself in the first couple of years of entrepreneurship trying to keep up with everybody else who yeah. did not have children and compared myself. And there was a lot of, you know, well, they're doing it. Why, why can't I, or why am I not doing it at the same level? And a piece of the reality was I had babies. I had two of them at the same time when they were very young, COVID happened. And now I was in my house with my husband, who is an entrepreneur running his business with two young children and and me trying to figure out mine. You know, it was a wild time. And I love that the conversation is, is happening because my tendency can be when I feel overwhelmed with family and business and the combination of it all 
is I start to hide and I start to lose my voice. And specifically in the world that you play in so often, which is social media, it's the first thing that goes. Yeah. It's if you don't see me online for a minute, it's like, it's a perfect time to be like, Hey, what's going on in your world? Cause you've clearly shut down. It's like a cyclical trend for me. So I'm curious for you when these women tune in or when you're having conversations with other mothers who maybe shut down because they're feeling overwhelmed, what is your message to them? Because I know for me in particular, when I saw that you launched this podcast, I thought to myself, thank goodness somebody's starting to talk about this. Thank goodness Laura is so passionate about this space that somebody's talking about that it is different. And it can often feel like I'm trying to hold it all and nothing's really, I'm not winning at anything. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes down to this idea of winning, right? And this idea Mm -hmm. of like what it actually means to be a good mom. And I think a lot of this comes from these external stories. And part of why I struggled so much when my daughter was born was I had this definition of what it meant to be a good mom. And that was the definition of like, I witnessed from my own mother who was a stay-at-home mom who, um, didn't she volunteered, but she really martyred herself. She didn't really have anything for herself other than being our mother. And she did the best she could with the tools that she had. But I was like, nah, that's probably not really for me. And I think that was a big part of why being a mom wasn't something that really was on my list of things to do in my twenties or something that I had desired. And I think we all have these external examples, whether it's our own mothers or in the media or the way that we treat like celebrity mothers where it comes down to like what good motherhood actually means. And I think for me, learning how to redefine or redefining for myself what it actually means to be a good mom and my version, Laura's version of motherhood to be the best mom I can for my own kids really is the piece that's really started to allow me to have a little bit more fun, have a little bit more ease and to pursue the things that I really want. And so as we record this right now, one of my children is school age. Um, My other, my son is in preschool. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to have the means to pay for him to go to preschool, but he's been in preschool since he was 14 months old. And we got a nanny for my daughter when she was six months old, because I learned that the way that I can be the best mother for my kids is to have time away from them, is Mm -hmm. that I need space for my children in order to be a present mother so that I can feed the other parts of myself that are very much alive. And those are the freedom of my mind, right? To create, to create freedom of wealth to just chase the things that I'm ambitious about. I I mean, I told you before we started recording, I was riding a horse this morning. Like mm-hmm. I need to fill my cup. Otherwise I'm a very distracted and not a very present mother at all. And the reason that I want to share this is because I think that as mothers, we put ourselves into a box of what is expected of us and what we're supposed to do. Right. And usually that what we're supposed to do involves doing none of the things that we actually want to do for ourselves and involves just doing the things for our kids. And I think as an entrepreneurial mother, you're taking on a whole other can of worms because motherhood is hard on its own. Then you add entrepreneurship, which is also hard on its own and you put them together. It's a wildly insane ride, but it's also so important to know a, that you can have it all, but you don't have to do it all. And B, that your journey is going to look different from somebody else's, and that's totally fine. And to not try to compare yourself to the box of motherhood that maybe exists for somebody that is choosing to be a stay-at-home mom or choosing to be just a mom in a way that feels really good for them, but doesn't feel good for you, like that's okay. And Mm. so why the conversations matter so much to me is that I really want to have this lens on motherhood that it's 
it can be whatever you want it to be. As long as everybody in the equation, yourself, your kids, your partner, whoever's involved is having a positive experience. And that positive experience doesn't necessarily have to be, and certainly is not in my world, my kids underfoot all day long. That's it. Yeah. I'm the same way. There was a lot of, um, a lot of guilt that showed up for me in the beginning because I started to very quickly in my parenting experience, I realized that it was mom and for me, not just mom. So in order to be fully expressed, there was an and. So very quickly went back and started to pick up, you know, side gigs and freelance work and then did a master's in executive coaching. And my kids were eight months old when I was on a plane going to Vancouver, Victoria, actually Island to do a master's because that filled some growth edge within me. There was something more, there was something that I could focus in that then made me a better mom. And I know for myself, uh, I traveled quite a bit when they were young and a piece of that was going to masterminds and getting myself into different environments. And what I, you know, I would have guilt driving out of the driveway. There would be a lot of guilt and there'd be a lot of guilt probably for about 30 minutes as I left. And they're very quickly, this message I kept coming back to almost as like an anchor as I was leaving. And it was always this message of you can tell your kids to dream big and, or you can actually be dreaming big and living that life Mm -hmm. and showing them what that looks like. And so that has always been kind of an anchor for me as a mom, as I've been building my business so much so that last year they traveled with us for seven weeks. And that was very, Coming from a a daughter who has parents who are teachers and everybody around me is teachers, taking my kids out of school to have life school and do things different was again, quote unquote, weird. And yet it was the right thing for us. So it's just constantly looking at that pillar. And instead of mom having to hop on planes and go every which way, we can make it an experience for all of us. That's so cool. And listening to you say that, you know, I wish that I had that mindset sooner. You know, for me, I'm so firm in that mindset now and so confident in that approach now. But when I think back to those first, gosh, two or three years, even I didn't even ask, you know, and it's not that I needed anyone's permission, but I was certainly running a gym and, um, you know, we, we don't have the village, you know, people talk about their village and family being close and this helper and that helper. We don't have that. It's really just myself and my husband and my kids. And we hired nannies and we've, you know, had help come in and had some great daycares, but I didn't even, I wouldn't have even asked to, Hey, can I go to this mastermind for four days because of the amount of guilt that would have showed up for me? I was, I was stuck in, and you know, the, the reference that I'm talking about, I'm feeling like you're martyring yourself and that you can't, I was really stuck in that warp of this motherhood thing has to be the thing, right? Like it wasn't, I wanted it to be mom and, but it was, mom and all these beautiful things when said it was like mom and extreme discomfort at all the t- at all times right like i didn't ask for it mm-hmm. and nobody around me would have said no everyone around me would have been supportive i just wouldn't allow myself to ask the question because i thought hey can i get on a plane and go to arizona for 4 days for a mastermind would have been asking way too much and certainly you know we had those covid years in between my daughter was born in 2017 probably by the time i was really ready to ask we were in covid so we had 2020, 2021, we're pretty much a wash. And then 2022 was the year that I was like, okay, enough, mm-hmm. enough of this. And when I finally started to take the space to get on the planes, to do the things, to get in the rooms, um, but gosh, like it was way too long. You know, 
you and I, you weren't in the room, but when I went to Fast Foundations for the first time, April, 2022, I think every time they hand a microphone around, <laughs> this is a mastermind for anyone that's not familiar. Um, I just cried. It was like, I would start to talk and I would just cry because it had been at that point, you know, five, <laughs> five years of, of just being at home with my kids and not really stepping into my power and not doing the things that I really wanted to do. Instead, it was, I was at home building my business by myself. And it wasn't until I started to stretch beyond what I knew to be normal and, and start to actually ask for the things that I wanted, um, that everything really started to change for me. And then that's when the ideas for the podcast came up and doing all the support that I'm doing mm -hmm. with, with mothers. Cause I lived in that season of, no, I can't do anything for myself. I just have to take care of my kids. And that's the number one priority. And the mother load is the only load, you know, mm -hmm. while building my business. But, you know, I was, I was lonely. I was by myself at home. And when I really wanted to be putting myself into rooms and taking other opportunities and being mom and entrepreneur friend. Cool so, person. <laughs> speaking of masterminds. Yeah. You have one. I do. I do have a mastermind. Isn't that cool? I know. I think, I so think cool. it's so cool. I'm like, yeah, we were just talking about the ambitious mastermind. Like, tell us more about it. What's going on? Yeah. So it's a, it's a mastermind that I've run two rounds of now. So I'm going to be opening up enrollment for the second round. It is a mastermind for ambitious entrepreneurial mothers. It is a six month long mastermind and it's a hybrid mastermind. So it's a hybrid of one-on-one -on -one coaching. There's group coaching component. And I also bring in some really incredible guests, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. For Jackie, for people that come into that mastermind, it is a really beautiful place of support. I was actually saying uh, just before we got on the call that my we have a group Voxer chat uh, where everybody supports each other and pours in. And gosh, is it exploding today? I got to go check out what's happening in that group after we finish recording. But it is truly the place if you want to be part of conversations that are greater than um, just entrepreneurship. These are entrepreneurship and motherhood conversations because mm -hmm. you don't, you cannot understand. And this is part of why I love you and our conversation so much is you cannot understand what it's like to be an entrepreneurial mother unless you live it. And one mm -hmm. of the things that I've been really careful about as an entrepreneur in these last few years is really filtering my, my sources of information and filtering who I'm receiving mentorship from, because it is very hard to receive mentorship or being supported in your business by someone who doesn't know what it's like to live even one day in your life. Um, and so that was really where the ambition mastermind came from is wanting to create community and support for women who are looking to grow their business and want more than just being just a mom and want to do it in a safe space. And so I've been super honored to run this program now for the last year. We're in running a cohort right now. Um, and the doors are going to be opening very shortly for our January, 2024 cohort. I can't wait to share more about that as it comes out and, if you're listening and that resonates and the story resonates with you in any way, shape or form, reach out to Laura. We're going to make sure that every link to get access to her is in the show notes. So if you're looking for her, she's across all social media um, because she runs a social media business. So <laughs> she's very active. You'll see her uh, leading by example and showing you how it can be done. So we'll make sure to link everything up. And I know she's very active there. And if you have a question, just DM her, send her message yeah. She's highly responsive and I'm so excited for that next group to get access to you. Me Laura, too. as always, I'm so grateful for your time, your energy, and just you pouring into all of us today. I love you dearly. You are my oldest friend so far that's mm -hmm. been on the podcast and I'm so excited to keep walking alongside together. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. All right, guys, we will see you next time on the Jackie Service Show. 
Thank you for listening in to today's show. If there was a key message that landed with you, please share or send us a direct message on Instagram at Jackie Service and let us know. We love hearing from you. Also, to continue to keep this podcast growing, it would mean the world if you could take a minute and like and rate the show or share it with a friend. Our team is forever grateful. Until next time, we'll see you again on The Jackie Service Show.